Okay, so we're on our series, Intimacy and Urgency, and I think we've got a couple more weeks, and we're, we're really just using this topic and this title as a, a way to express themes that bring us into closer relationship with God and stir our hearts uh, with urgency for the hour in which we live, that we would live with a, an aggressive uh, a focus on seeing the kingdom of God manifest in our lives. And so this morning, I want to talk about the the subject of peace. And I know that might sound like a pretty simple thought, peace, yeah, I got peace, I know what peace is. Um, But I'm convinced that most believers live completely outside of what has been provided for us through the cross in the way of peace. Now that's a huge statement, I want you to hear it again. I think most believers live completely outside of what has actually been provided for us through the cross in the way of peace. And as I'm studying the scripture about peace, I'm realizing even in my own heart, man, I have got so much room to grow in this most important facet of the kingdom of God, this this manifestation of the peace of God. And, And part of our challenge is we've got peace in its own zone, kind of as this, you know, we think like it's a salutation. It's a greeting of peace or a, you know, I'm going to peace out. The young people know what that one is. And, and, and we reduce it to not just peace out, it's just deuce. I'm going to deuce out because it's two, right? One, two, peace, deuce. Okay. So that's flying over the head of, you know, anybody over about 22. But, um, and we've reduced this thing to a a welcome, a greeting, or a way to say goodbye. But the concept of peace, or it's this ethereal thing, like it's something you see maybe at some pageant. You ask the contestants, what do you want to say? Peace on earth. And, and it's far more than that. It's far greater than that. It's far more powerful than that. And the provision of peace that is ours in Christ is absolutely stunning. I made mention a few weeks ago when I was in China just recently, the Lord was taking me on a Bible study, and one of the topics he was emphasizing to me was this topic of peace, and so that's what I want to get into this morning, and I'll just start our interaction by asking you, how is your peace? How's your peace? Think about it. Day in, day out, do you stay kind of foundationally rooted in a place of peace, or is your peace regularly disturbed, upset, or even overthrown by circumstances, challenges, situations, and difficulties? See, the way that we manage this, this, I mean, force, this spiritual force of peace, it determines much about how we live our lives. And so as I'm As I'm preaching and teaching this morning, I want you to think about just, let's localize it. It's far greater than just our local peace, but let's just localize it right now. And I I want you to think about how's your peace? How's your peace? Walking in and out, day in and day out, your life, how how is your peace? And so if you've got the notes from from Online Prayer Missions Church, you can follow along with me. They'll be bringing some of these up on the screens. But uh, as I said, I think we've completely underestimated the power of peace. And, and, and 
we've actually underestimated the provision of it, and, and we've relegated peace to something that's, that's really uh, just substandard to what the gospel and what the New Testament even provides for us and, and speaks about. And so let me just give you a, just a quick cursory thought about what the, the scripture says in regard to peace and how central it is to us in the kingdom. Uh, I'll just give you this as a side. There's 89 verses in the New Testament that talk about peace, and there's about, I would say, 50 different components of what peace actually offers a believer. I, I, I know this because I went through them all this week, and I categorized every single one of them, and I just, just completely shocked by everything that the New Testament, I didn't even get into the Old Testament Hardly at all. I mean, in fact, the concepts of shalom, which is the Hebrew word for peace, there, there are many uh, variations and, and striations of even what that word means. But what's, I'm just going with what's afforded to us through the gospel. There's probably about 50 different categories and implications off of those 90 verses. But let me give you some central ones. And this is just to, just to convince you that peace isn't just a greeting, a salutation. It isn't just, you know, maybe a message you hear at Christmas, peace on earth. You know, it's far greater than that. So consider this. There's 17 New Testament greetings that say, peace be multiplied to you. And virtually all of them go with another word that's central to the gospel, grace. Now, why would we take grace and put grace up here and peace is like, you know, some side portion? Peace and grace are often offered together in the gospel. And so that, that, that 17 uh, New Testament letters where it says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that is a critical foundational thought. That's not just a hello, it's that something is supposed to govern you. Just as grace carries us and we live by grace, we're saved by grace, it's all grace at the end of the day when we stand before the Lord, there'll be one trophy in the trophy case, it'll be the grace of God. Just as grace enables us and carries us, and by grace we're saved, peace fortifies us. It's supposed to foundationally settle us. And the, the activity and the power of peace in our life is commensurate with the activity and the power of grace in our lives. Well, Jesus, he's called the Prince of, and the Father is called the God of, at least five times in the New Testament, the God of peace. The Father's the God of peace. The Son is the Prince of peace. Life in the kingdom is righteousness and joy in the Holy Ghost. Listen, what, what happens to us is this. We get familiar with biblical terms, and we make them slogans instead of standards by life in the kingdom. And when, they, when the biblical phrases, when they just lose life, they don't have any energy, they don't, they don't have any anointing, they don't compel us. What it is, is it's just a sign that we lack any revelation of that thing. If we can say righteous peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, and it's like no big deal. No, there is a kingdom standard that your life is supposed to look like. Righteousness expressed, peace foundationally govern you, and you're filled with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. As a member of the kingdom of God, this is what you get to be. That's far better than I ever was before I came to Jesus. 
Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what life in the kingdom is. When Jesus came to earth, think about it, glory to God in the highest and on earth and goodwill to men. Peace that is to cover the planet at Jesus' arrival. And so it expresses this foundational focus that the kingdom of God, when the kingdom of God comes, it, it releases peace that covers. Peace that it, it, it stops every combative, divisive, you know, co conflicting situation. Peace that governs even beyond what makes sense. It's called the peace that passes all understanding. Now, here's our challenge. We're familiar with these verses. You guys are actually filling them in almost at 100% clip. You're getting like an A plus on the fill in the blank this morning. But I go back to my original question. You know how to fill in the blanks, but how's your peace? Because peace is not supposed to be something that we sort of conceptually think, oh, that's a good thing, that's a nice thing. It's supposed to be something that governs us. It guards us, and it guides us. You'll be led forth with peace and joy. And this is what life in the kingdom is supposed to be like. It's interesting to me because I have the opportunity, of course, to, to see other nations and other cultures and, and, and see believers in parts of the world that are persecuted, and not just China, but just other places, Middle East and, and, and different places in Africa and, and um in Asia, and you know, it seems like the more stuff we get, the less peace we have. And we tend to think that we get more stuff to bring us more peace, but what tends to happen is we get more stuff and it disrupts an internal sense of peace because what we're doing is we're misplacing what we're looking to for peace. So we look to stuff for peace when Jesus, the Prince of Peace, has already come and brought peace. And he actually did something to his cross. He made peace. And so there is an infinite, eternal well of peace that can govern us, guide us, and carry us, that can anchor us and root us. And it's available in Jesus by the Holy Spirit, yet we look for so many other things to bring us peace. And I would just tell you, there is not a natural thing that can bring you peace. It's not. More money doesn't bring peace. Less responsibility doesn't bring peace. I know people that have no responsibility and their souls are tied in absolute knots because they're missing peace on the inside. So all the applications of peace, and man, don't they sell all sorts of stuff? I mean, you buy this ointment, rub it on, you're going to be restful. <laughs> yeah, but get this pill, it'll make you real calm. And what we think, you know, just, just have a glass of wine, because that'll just settle you. But let me just tell you something, there's nothing that you can put on you or in your mouth or whatever that you can purchase that brings peace, because Jesus gives peace not like the world gives. And there is a different version of peace that the subjects of the kingdom are supposed to live by. And our problem is this. We have swallowed all the counterfeits and we've completely become unfamiliar with the reality, the real. 
And so this is the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. And the gospel itself is called a gospel of peace. And so I'm hammering this point. This is my introduction. We need to get in on this peace that we've lived outside of that's been provided for us. We have to. I will tell you there's a time coming when peace is going to be taken from the earth. There's a time coming when men's hearts are going to grow cold because of trial and tribulation that's coming on the planet. And the church is instructed by Jesus in a time of great crisis to let not your heart be troubled. It's amazing, because I look at all, Matthew 24, all the calamity that's going to come on the planet. I go, Jesus, there's a lot of bad stuff coming. What do you mean, let not my heart be troubled? I mean, if all that bad stuff's coming, it's going to be troubling. He goes, right. He goes, in this world, John 16, he says, in this world, you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And he said, there's peace in me. And so, beloved, this is our portion that even in a time when the world is falling apart, even in the time when there's growing crisis, when there's fear and distress, that the church is supposed to be different. We're supposed to be this, this standard in the midst of the storm. Not bending, not breaking, and definitely not running around with, like chickens with our heads cut off. But that seems to be just the standard way that people are, isn't it? Things get crazy, people start freaking out. In the kingdom, we don't have to. That's all I'm going to tell you. We don't have to. And so while we have this provision of peace by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, what happens is we've, many of us, we've grown accustomed to living in fear, living in worry, living in anxiety, angst, distress, nervousness, agitation, all these things, and we don't even recognize it. We live with concern and stress and all these things governing us, and, and we don't even realize that that's what is actually carrying us and motivating us foundationally. And, and what we'll tend to do is believers will allow worry and fear to, to motivate their actions, but what they tend to do is they call it wisdom. Well, you know, brother, I'm just kind of thinking about everything that's going on here. Wouldn't it be wisdom if blah, 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 blah. And what you're telling me is you're scared to death because the world's going to hell in a handbasket and, and you're trying to figure out a good way to come up with it, you know, an answer, and you haven't heard from the Lord, but you're preempting the difficulty by some human means that will actually not bring peace. And we get used to living like that. But you know what James tells us, the book of James? That the wisdom that comes from above, it's pure, firstly, and secondly, you know what it is? peaceable. In other words, if you are thinking ahead with the wisdom of God, it will release peace. And so often we live in this place of forward thinking, forward planning. What about this? If this happens, I mean, God bless you if you're an insurance salesman, but man, I don't think that's based on peace a lot of times. I remember my first life insurance you know, the time I sat through my first life insurance sales pitch with a brother that was in the church, and he sat down, my wife and I had just been married, like married maybe one year, remember that? You know, she's like, I don't remember. I do, because the guy looked at me and goes, now what if you died? And she was left all alone. 
who's going to pay the bills? And I was like, because ah. you want to have children, don't you? I was like, oh, my God. He goes, what if you have children and a house and a mortgage and bills and all this, and your wife is by herself, and you're dead, and you can't help her? Then what will you do? I mean, it felt like that. I was going, dear God, yes, I do need a $10 million life insurance policy. <laughs> How much is that a month? $3,000, no problem. I mean, I didn't do that, don't worry. But it felt like that, why? Because in the name of wisdom, he was dishing out fear. Am I saying don't get life insurance? No, get life insurance, it's good. But at the end of the day, let your motivation be from peace and love and not from fear, stress, worry, anxiety, and all these things that aren't in the throne room of God. They're not in the Godhead. Sometimes I wonder if we think that God is freaking out. Like, I, you know, the way that we respond to crisis or headlines, or calamity, or difficulty in the earth. We're like, oh no! And we, it's almost like we think that's how God is. Oh no! Did you see that storm? Ah! Everybody go buy bread and milk. <laughs> and, uh, I'm trying to figure out why we buy bread and milk <laughs> when there is a storm. Because you... Good and well, no, you've probably got a week's worth of chips and cereal in your closet right now. If you could sit there and just eat the Cheerios for a week, you'd live. And anybody that's been in church for a while, I mean, you could, you could fast for a week and you'd still be fine. <laughs> in Atlanta, we're going to have... Point five inches of ice. It's Armageddon. <laughs> and God's up there going, dear God, it's getting cold in Atlanta. What are we going to do? I mean, at least that's how we think. Go get all the eggs. <laughs> because we know eggs stop weather Armageddon. Here's the point. There is a current of this world system that's pushing us a direction that's exactly opposite of the direction of the kingdom of God. And we go with it mindlessly, not even recognizing there is a greater kingdom that we're of and a greater power that we're to live by. And it doesn't look like what the world gives us. And beloved, we can live there. Stuff can be blowing up around you and you can be foundationally rooted in love and governed by peace and, led be, and be led forth in joy when everything around you is going wild. The, the question is, will we engage our hearts with what's already been provided for us by our king, the prince of peace, or will we allow the world system to just brainwash us in, in this current of anxiety and you know unrest and Agitation, all right. So we understand peace isn't just a calm feeling. It's not just, you know, I feel tranquil and I feel relaxed if I get peace. I mean, let's just think through about what, what, what peace is and what peace does. Uh, now, peace may leave you calm. 
It, it may leave you feeling tranquil, but, but peace foundationally is far more powerful than a nice, you know, peaceful, easy feeling or whatever that lyric of that song is. It's, it's far more powerful than that. Think it through. What's the only thing that ends a world war? Peace. What's the only thing that causes inseparable division between warring peoples, tribes, enemies? What's the only thing that can enable them to be together? Peace. I, I love Romans 16. He see, see, we think of peace as sort of this sort of sweet little, like, I don't know, you wear a daisy in your hair and peace. I, he goes, Romans 16, verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. I go, um, that's the kind of peace I need. I need the peace that crushes Satan. Satan barking in my ear, telling me all the things that are going to go wrong. Satan telling me what I have to do to fix everything. Satan all on me, telling me everything that's bad. And I need that peace that passes all understanding to crush him. So that I'm above that storm and I'm living in a, in a place that's foundationally different than everyone else around me. All their Facebook headlines, all their little notifications, and all that wreck that's going on out there. Beloved, it's not your portion. It's not your portion to, to live frazzled every time a new revelation comes in the news. No, we have a, a kingdom that's an abiding kingdom, an eternal kingdom, and our king is never worried never worried. And he, the Bible says, is our peace. And I'm just trying to get you to see that maybe we're, maybe we're getting brainwashed a little bit. Maybe we're getting deceived a little bit and we don't even realize it. And we couch things in spiritual terms and Name of wisdom, and it's just, it's not, I just, it's not, I don't think it's, I don't think that's always what's up. I think we're supposed to know the circumstances. I'm not saying you're, you're like an ostrich with your head in the sand, and you're just like, peace, brother. I think you're supposed to know what's going on, and you look in the face of the storm that's causing everyone else to lose their mind, and you go, no, peace, be still. What was it in Jesus when all the disciples thought they were dying, that he's napping? Think that through. These are not unskilled seamen, right? These guys are fishermen. They're on that lake all the time, which tells you that when the waves are blowing up over this boat, this is a lake they fish on all the time. It's more like a sea of God. So this thing is, what's happening to them is unusual, maybe a once-in-a-lifetime kind of storm. It's, I mean, it's causing the guys that are fishermen that do this for a living to say it's over. We, we think, you know, the, the boat got rocked a little bit like the canoe, you know, got, went through a rapid. Mm -mm. This thing looks like it's over. Waves are blasting over the, the boat. The boat is filling with water. The language, when you read out the stories, it, it's, it's, getting, it's getting filled with water. Jesus is still asleep. The storm didn't even wake him up. I'm like, I need that anointing 
like every night. <laughs> but that, it's his disciples that woke him up. It wasn't even the storm. I'm like, Jesus, you're either really irresponsible or you've got something else going on that I don't have a clue about. Because when there's a storm on the horizon, the, the water could be glass, but I see it out there and I go, <gasps> And that's how many of us respond to challenges, even the threat of a challenge, but not Jesus. It's, an, it's a powerful spiritual force. In the midst of that storm shaking everything, these men fearing for their, their lives, these are not sort of, you, you know, weak men that are scared at every little thing. They're used to being on the sea. Here it is. In the midst of that, he says, peace, and the whole thing stops. That's the anointing we need. In our personal storms, in the storms in our family, and the storms in our life, it doesn't mean that there will not be challenges, but there's that place of just anxiousness and fear and anxiety that we're so motivated by. Peace to it. Because the storm doesn't have to rage in your soul. It may be raging all over the earth, but it doesn't have to rage on the inside of you. That's the power of peace. It brings tranquility in the place of turbulence, calm in the midst of calamity. I just want to emphasize how powerful and how necessary this is that we get a revelation of peace. Isaiah 53, 5, you know the verse. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. We love that by his stripes we were healed. We appropriate physical healing. We love that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The blood of Jesus delivers us from our sin, frees us, forgives us, sanctifies us, justifies us. But what about that little phrase in there? The chastisement for our peace was upon him. We don't tend to anchor to that. I don't know what we think that was. Do you know what it's talking about? It's the stripes that are for our healing were also for our peace. He was chastened with a cat of nine tails, which is a whip with nine extensions, with stone or something jagged in the end, and ripped across his back 39 times. Yes, those stripes, they bought healing for us, but those stripes, the chastening of the, the Roman scourge, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, willingly took that upon himself. Why? So that you could operate in peace. And I look at that and I go, man, for me not to contend for peace is crazy when my king underwent that kind of a suffering so that I could have it. Am I making sense? The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Yes, our peace between us and God. Yes, our peace between us and one another. But the peace that passes all understanding that mounts garrison, it guards your heart and your mind. That chastisement that he took was so that we could operate in a peace that is all-encompassing. It's through the cross that Jesus brought 
peace to infinite division. Think about it. The division between us and God was infinite. Infinite. He's infinitely holy. That means one sin infinitely separates. You get it, right? Like the distance wasn't something like just a little further than what any human could do. It's not like, oh, wow, if that guy could just jump a little further, he could really make the chasm between God and man. No, no, no. There's no human means to, to fix or to, to bridge an infinite chasm. And that's the chasm between fallen man and perfect God. Infinite And Jesus' activity on the cross, boom, he bridged the gap and he brought peace to an infinite chasm, to an infinite offense. Think about the power of peace. This is available to us in the cross. All right, I'm going to land with Ephesians 2 and John 14, and I want to bring it down then central to us, because beloved, this isn't something, I'm talking about the manifestation of peace. This isn't something we can afford to live outside of any longer. This isn't something that, that we can just act like it's not a big deal anymore. This is something that we need to appropriate in, appropriate in our lives and live foundationally by as subjects of the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? So Ephesians 2.14, I already quoted it. It says, he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. I want you just to consider that. Your connection to Jesus, your relationship with Jesus, it's the grounds by which you are enabled to live fully in peace. Oftentimes, we live as if our relationship with the Lord has no bearing on this issue of peace. But he himself is our peace. There's never been a worry in the heart of God. There's never been angst or anxiety in the heart of the Son of God. He is the Prince of Peace itself. He is uh, the, the, the one that brought peace to the cross. Uh, Jerusalem, where he's going to come and live, is called Yerushalom. It's the foundation of peace. When his kingdom comes on the earth, peace that has no end, he himself is our peace. Because you go, well, I just don't know how to get there. You don't get there. That's the point. Jesus is the peace. And being connected to Jesus gives you, by virtue of what he did on the cross, it gives you the very anointing that Jesus himself carries as the Prince of Peace. He is our peace. Think about this. He told the disciples, he said this. He goes, when you go travel and you go into a new house, he said, let your blessing of peace come upon that house. You see, this isn't just something that's supposed to keep us calm. This is something that we're supposed to manifest everywhere we go. Hear me. It's something we are supposed to walk into calamitous situations and bring an anointing of peace. We call it de-escalating a situation. You know, you you get a a crisis, and certain people, they escalate it. Certain people, 
They bring it down. It's more than just de-escalating. It's an anointing that changes the very atmosphere of the calamity. Okay? So he said, when you go into a place, let your blessing of peace rest on the place. And then he said, if there is a son of peace there who will receive it, then your peace will go into that place. But if they won't receive it, let your peace return to you. And so what happens is you can literally walk into a spot, release peace, and some would say, I need that, yes, thank you for helping us, bringing that, that anointing in this place, and it changes the atmosphere. You can literally walk into a spot and say, listen, it's going to be okay. I happen to know a guy, Jesus, and, and they could say, we don't want any of that here. In other words, he doesn't demand peace. He doesn't force peace. He offers it but he anoints us to release it. He's our peace. And so this is the thing. Ultimately, it means this, that our peace is dependent on one thing. Hear me really carefully. There's one thing your peace is dependent upon. Jesus Christ. Not the financial status of the United States of America. Not the current news headlines. Not the whatever weather patterns are happening in the earth. Not the political climate. Not who the Democrats or Republicans say is the guy or the girl. None of that determines your peace. Jesus is your peace, and thus your peace is determined by him and him alone. Hear me. If Jesus is never freaked out, never worried, never reading something on Facebook that's like throwing him off, if he's never doing that, why are we? In this world, you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world because in me you have peace. That's what he says. Tribulation happening all over the world and you're in Christ, in Christ Jesus, and you're in peace. This is our portion. I'm just trying to get you to see this is our portion. I'm trying to tell you this. You can go to, what's in my mind, the, the example would be this. I handed you a coupon for all the filet mignon you ever could possibly eat. You get to go to the store, free filet mignon. Maybe if that's not your thing, it's fish or whatever. Anyway, your free food of choice, and I'm telling you, it will change your life. The coupon is in your hand. You just have to cash it in. And that's this issue of peace. It's Jesus' peace that determines whether we operate in peace, nothing else. And this is where I want to dial it into this, this issue of intimacy because this is one of the most tender things. Not only that the Son of God would stretch out his back and have that thing ripped off just so that we could live in peace outside of a, a tribulation-filled world. But listen to his words here in John 14. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now, he's in, he's in the same flow in verse 27. He doesn't start a new thought. He goes, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What's Jesus doing? Verse 26, 27. He's tying together the fact that he, <laughs> that the Holy Spirit living on the inside of believers enables us to live in Jesus' peace. Do you see that? Verse 26 again, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send, he will teach you all things, bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you, and peace I leave with you. It's through the indwelling spirit that we're able to tap into a spiritual force called peace that governs us no matter what tribulations are hitting us. And here's the thing. Let me just extrapolate that verse a little bit. When the tribulation is hitting, the Holy Spirit does something. He brings all things that Jesus said back to your remembrance. It's like Holy Spirit sees you starting to lose your peace. And he goes, hey, 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 hey. In this world, you will have tribulation. Remember, he said that. Be of good cheer. He's overcome the world and you're in him. Remember, the gospel's the gospel of peace. Remember, he tore down all the dividing walls. He took the handwriting of, of requirements along, nailed those to the cross, and he reconciled you. There's peace now between you and God. Holy Spirit on the inside reminding us of everything that Jesus said. It settles us in the truths of the kingdom and it puts us back into the place of peace when everything is blowing up around us. But I just think it's amazing. Jesus, who is our peace, says to us, I'm giving you my peace. I'm giving it to you. I want you to be governed by peace just the way I am, I who am the Prince of Peace, my Father who is the God of peace, my kingdom which is a kingdom of peace, and the peace thereof will never end. I'm giving you my peace. And oh, beloved, if we could just realize this is already ours, the, the last sentence, though, is so critical. Because he goes, not peace like the world gives. Of course, the world's peace is contingent upon circumstances. He goes, mine isn't. But, but the last two phrases, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Interesting. He goes, I'm giving you my peace. Don't let your heart be troubled. I go, oh, wait a minute. I have your peace by the Holy Spirit and though I have that, I can let my heart be troubled. Huh. Huh. There's actually a choice in this. What do I do with the peace that passes all understanding that guards my hearts and minds, guards my heart and mind? What do I do with that when trial, circumstance, calamity, angst, anxiousness, difficulty, division, Hatred, fear, and all these things that steal our peace. What do I do with that peace that passes all understanding? What do I do with that in that moment? I don't give in to the sway of the world, and I come back to Jesus, and I say, you are my peace. What do you think about that? There's this verse in Philippians 4. He goes, let your requests be made known to God. See, I've been quoting the verse the whole time, but there's a little bit of a, of a requirement on it. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace that passes all understanding shall guard your heart and mind. 
Are you seeing me? Are you seeing what I'm saying is what I mean? Are you, are you hearing this? The church can actually operate in a peace that makes no sense, passes understanding. A peace that's not like the world. In fact, it's not that we can, it's that we should. This is our portion. Not like what the world gives. A peace that governs us regardless of the earthly circumstances. I tell you this, I refuse to allow my soul to be manipulated by media and by headlines and by calamity and trials when the Prince of Peace has given me his peace. And I have the third member of the Godhead living inside of me, dispensing an infinite well of peace so that I can stand in the midst of a world that's in tribulation and crisis. This is my portion. Well, brother, that just sounds like, I mean, that just uh, doesn't make sense. Like, you just think, like, you're just, like, not of this world. Yeah, that's what I think. I think it doesn't make sense. It passes all understanding. And I am not of this world. I mean, I, I hold a physical, you know, natural human American citizenship. But my citizenship, I have a different citizenship that trumps that. My citizenship is in heaven. And I'm of that place and not subject to this place. And beloved, what would it look like? What would it look like if just us, just the church, we refused to let our hearts be troubled? We refused to let fear take root. What would it look like? In fact, Matthew 24, when Jesus starts unpacking the detail of the end of the age, he says the very same thing in the time when the, when the earth is exploding with crisis. He says, do not be troubled. See to it that you are not troubled. I go, how? He goes, I've already given it to you. Peace. And I'm reminded with that, that verse of Jeremiah, just as I'm saying this, if we can't run with the footmen, what will we do when the horsemen come? Beloved, if we are thrown off by every little headline, my news feed is, I just looked at my news feed and my, I'm a Google news feed. I'm like, these guys are trying to mess me up. They're not trying to inform me. They're trying to freak me out. Every headline is clickbait to the max. I'm like, man, I, I, I thought I was getting delivered and I just, you know, no more social media. I just do like, you know, news. And I'm like, I don't even want to do that. Because if the headline's not coming from the throne room, it really doesn't impact me that much. It impacts some, but not that much. Because there's a greater headline. King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's coming to the planet. <laughs> He's going to overthrow the thrones of all nations. Our King Jesus will rule and reign. And of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. And of the peace, there shall be no end. The kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever. That's about the best headline I need to know right now. Because I'm moving towards that end, and so are you. Jesus is our peace. He gave us his peace. We've received it by the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And he tells us, don't be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. 
Don't let it go there. You know when it's going there. You're reading the thing. You're hearing the thing. You're seeing the thing. You know when it's going there. What if, and, and oh my, and oh my gosh, and did you see this? And oh, wow. And, and misery always loves company. The other night, my, my son and I were sitting there on the couch, and he goes, oh, man, this smells. Man, can you smell? Oh, man, this, he's like, this is bad, Dad. This smells. Can you smell it? I go, no, I can't smell it. He goes, here. Oh. I'm like, why are you doing that to me? I believed you the first time. It stunk. And that's what we do with anxiety. You know, a financial crash is coming. It's going to take us all down. I got my bunker filled. Weapons and food. Glory to Jesus. God and guns. I'm all about it. That's fine. Be prepared. That's fine. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, when... You're in your bunker with food and guns. I'm going to be releasing my blessing of peace anywhere I can and declaring the name of Jesus and changing spiritual atmospheres because that's the portion of the church, beloved. I don't think I got a big enough in, uh, amen on that one. Some of you are like, that bunker actually sounds kind of good. Um, no. There's a different way we're supposed to live. Something more than just looking just like your unsaved neighbor worried about all the same stuff. Something more than that. It's operating by a kingdom that's rooted in love and joy and peace and righteousness. Living a life fascinated and fixated on Jesus' face. Recognizing your citizenship is far above any human citizenship. And you have a, you have a, 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 a continual office with a king who's far infinitely greater than any human king. And you have peace resi- re- residing on the inside of you the power of the Holy Spirit that can shift human atmospheres. It's called your blessing of peace. So peace manifesting in us and guarding our minds, it's subject to our connection with the Holy Spirit. This is my last point, worship team, come on. It's subject to our connection with the Holy Spirit. It's subject to us making our requests known to God. And it's subject to the thing that I do all the time. First Peter 5, 7. I cast my cares. When was the last time you casted your cares? I don't know about you, but I routinely come in contact with cares that are too big for me. They're just too big. I go, man, I ser- this is a serious situation. And I start trying to hold the care, and it's like weighting me down. I go, no, I can't. I'm not made to carry this because I can only carry minuscule, minor, little cares that aren't even really cares. I'm, I'm a human, right? My frame is made of dust. And so when cares come and worries come and difficulties come, I, I actually take those thoughts captive and I, I, I don't know how you do it, but for me, I'm just visual. I just go, here, Lord, that's yours. That's not mine. I'm yours and this thing is on me. So you get the whole package, <laughs> me and the problem and the problem is no problem to you. There's not just nothing too difficult for you. There's nothing that's difficult for you. And I hand it over. 
I hand it over. And then I don't go pick it back up again. And isn't that what we do though, beloved? Don't look at me so holy. Well, I cast my cares. I cast it right down there. Pick it right back up. Because <laughs> God doesn't ever move on my time frame. He doesn't do it fast enough. So it's better if I pick it back up and then worry about it and let it just, just rip my soul apart. It's not better. You cast the care and you leave it. And you look at Jesus and you say, Jesus, you're my peace. I've cast my cares. I'm asking you to take care of it. I'm making my request known to you. Now, would you allow that peace to guard my mind, guard my heart? What I tend to do is I dial down in a place of quiet, in a place of prayer, and I'll dial down and I'll say, Holy Spirit, you live inside there, don't you? You're not just a figment of my imagination. God on the inside, you're real inside me. Release peace through my entire being right now. Release it over my mind right now. All the fiery darts of the the adversary are quenched by my shield of faith because peace governs me. You see how this works? There's an intentionality that we have to, we actually have to step into to manifest what we've been given. And what we've been given is colossal. It's not just the greeting. It is a spiritual force that changes your perspective. It changes where you live, where you work. It changes everything. And you know this. You've gone to people's house, and you walk in the house, and it just feels agitated in there. You're like, oh, golly, man, what's going on in this place? And then you've gone into somebody else's house, and you're like, woo, like you just stepped into a spa. You're like, what kind of candles y'all burning up in here? This is good. Some good stuff going on. Oh, I feel the Lord. You know, what's going on? Peace like a river. Amen. Let's stand. That's our portion. It's our portion. I got a few minutes. Let's just, let's just right now, let's step out of our habit of anxiety and worry and fear, and let's step into, even if it's just a, I want to, let's step into the provision and the power of peace that's ours through the gospel. Now, I know we prayed this on the front end, but I think we prayed it like, man, I hope that thing zaps my anxiety. What I'm asking you to do right now is say, you know what? I don't want to operate from a worldly paradigm of fear, anxiety, care, concern, worry, and lack of peace. I want to operate by the power, the spiritual force of peace that Jesus gave me. So we're going to have a moment of prayer. If you'd say, that's me, I'm stepping out of my natural propensity to give into anxiety, to let my heart be troubled. And I want to step in in a lifestyle way to peace, not like the world gives, but like what Jesus gives. I want to invite you out from where you're standing. Come down here.